0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Know that grace, peace, hope, and mercy are yours in abundance from the triune God. Amen. Last year, um, I applied for a job with the Colorado Council of Churches. It was an opportunity that I was very excited about. It would have brought us back to Colorado quicker than our move in September did. I would have been working with churches across the state, trying to make systemic changes to our local and state governments in the areas of education and criminal sentencing, and many others. Over the course of about three months, I advanced through the search process that culminated in an in-person interview here in Colorado. I was one of two finalists for the position, and I felt pretty confident. After all I had experience in Colorado and national politics, most importantly, I was seminary educated, and and i had a uh, community organizing experience and i was the younger of the two candidates i went back to nashville after the interview hopeful that i would get the job i did not get the job <laughs> i got the news one night when laura was in france visiting her sister with harper and visiting harper's brand new baby cousin madeline and i was devastated What was wrong with me that they didn't want me to be a part of their organization? Did I err at some point in the interview process? What more could I have done or what could I have said to have been hired? There are really no answers to these questions, but the failure to get the job led me to doubt all sorts of things about myself. It led me to remember all of my past failures and relationships and in competitions and in every other way. You see, we're taught by our world to succeed at all costs. Corporate profits, job advancements, salary increases, prestige, power, and so much more are all based on a notion of achievement on that old adage of failure is not an option. That's a lot of pressure. The weight of it produces, I think, two unhealthy reactions. One is super-duper over-functioning, and the other is paralysis. I've lived through both, and I bet you have too. If only I spend a couple more hours at work, you say to yourself, or if only I sacrifice a little bit more time with my family, I could reach somebody else's standard of success. And on the other hand, there's those times where there's so much on our to do list that we're literally unable to function. For me, on those days, it's when the recently watched link on Netflix is filled with one episode after another after another of West Wing or Breaking Bad or whatever the latest binge watch show is. See, that kind of pressure has both the ability to produce diamonds. But pressure can also make a structure collapse. Just think of General Motors and the recent revelations that thousands upon thousands of vehicles over the course of more than a decade were allowed to remain on the road despite the knowledge that there was a safety issue that had caused 13 deaths. The corporate culture and the pressure of those forced some into paralysis. Some overcompensated some were advanced in their careers, but it would seem that because failure was not an option at GM, except I guess when it came to declaring bankruptcy and taking bailout money and killing off a few brands, that, that failure was not an option mentality meant that equipment failures were left undealt with and customers were seriously injured or even killed. The failure-is-not-an-option mentality led to hubris and mistakes being ignored and or covered up. And GM's not alone in this way of living. Other corporations have had the same things happen. And I'm guessing some of us in our work and our relationships have fallen to that pressure ourselves. But more than the pressure created by that whole failure-is-not-an-option thing is the way that that mentality can stifle creativity, ingenuity, and new ways of seeing. When there isn't space for failure, there isn't space for experimentation. How many times did Edison try to invent the light bulb? There's over a thousand. And when asked about all those failures, his response was that he didn't fail one thousand times. Just that inventing the light bulb was a process with 1,000 steps. I stumbled across a great little webpage that cataloged other people who had to stumble along the way to their success. What seems to be evident, to me at least, is that having the space and the freedom to fail actually encourages rather than inhibits what we would classify as success. In other words, the perverted Yoda advice that my high school track coach taught us, that is that try is a failure word, just simply isn't true. Engaging, attempting, being willing to screw up is a part of what leads to success, however we define that. This is probably more true in our relationship with God and with others than anywhere else, especially the relationship with God the pressure to fit some sort of idea of who we think we ought to be in God's eyes can feel insurmountable. It can feel like we're never going to be good enough for God to love us. It can feel as though that love has to be hard fought. It can feel like the forgiveness that we read about or the presence of God's spirit that comes down like a rush of wind are just stories from ages past and not a part of our own. And so under that pressure and in feeling the absence of God, we disengage. We blame God for the distance we feel. We take ourselves out of the community called the church and end up feeling even farther away. Because so many of us have been ingrained with a sense that in the presence of God, failure is not an option. We choose not to even participate rather than risk trying and screwing up. The same is true in some of our relationships. Rather than deal with the messiness of relationships with parents and siblings and bosses and friends, the easy default is to disengage. I learned this lesson well from both of my parents and watching them with their siblings. With really one small exception, neither of them has a relationship with their siblings. The differences between them and the past pains seem too big to overcome. And so disengagement has been the rule of our household. My brother and I have emulated our parents, and only recently have we begun to work on this trend. As we, who couldn't be more different, try to seek commonality in our lives, we've started to reconcile our relationship and to engage with each other. It's not easy, but there is fruit to be born. When Jesus gathered with his disciples after his death and resurrection, he breathed on them a spirit of peace with the charge to forgive as they had been forgiven. The spirit he was giving them was a spirit for empowered engagement with those with whom they had broken relationships. It was a gift for healing and renewal. And if that wasn't enough, the gift descended upon a whole group of people several days later as Jews from all over gathered for a harvest festival in Jerusalem. Wind blew, divided tongues descended, and people started to understand each other despite their differences. The gift of Pentecost was one of eyes open to commonality rather than difference. It was a gift of comprehension. It was a gift of creative empowerment that broke the long-established boundaries of relational engagement the creative and dynamic gift of God's Spirit still enters into the spaces of our lives and creates connection. For those of us who left the church at any point but now find ourselves in this place surrounded by these people, the Spirit is moving. For those of us who have found new ways of viewing the world because of what we have heard preached here by Nadia or who we have (laughs) met here, the Spirit is moving. For those of us who even if only for a fleeting moment have felt the forgiving power of God's grace, the Spirit is moving. For those of us who experience God in the eating of red velvet cake, in dancing to thrift shop at Easter Vigil, in blessing bikes and singing hymns in the basement of a bar, in sharing dinner with each other, in gathering for liturgy or in any way else, the Spirit is moving. The Spirit is moving and inviting us to engage our own brokenness. To find creative ways to be in relationship with God and with each other. And to invite others to do the same. The Spirit is moving in this place. Sometimes it feels like a peace. Like Jesus breathed on his friends. And at other times it's like a rushing wind. But the Spirit is moving despite our failures. And maybe because of them. The Spirit is empowering us to live life anew each day. And to breathe. And to engage. And to love. Thanks be to God for that moving spirit. Today and tomorrow. Amen. these sermons are meaningful for you we invite you to support the congregation and you can do that at houseforall.org there's a paypal button there also we'd love for you to come and join us for liturgy we meet at four o'clock and six o'clock on sundays at 2201 dexter in denver